What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, folks? Today, we are diving into a topic that's pertinent in our fast-paced, hyper-connected world. No, we're not talking about AI. We're taking a bit of a break from from AI. We're talking about escapism and the importance of disconnecting from work. On the show, we like to balance the hard uh, MarTech topics, if you will, but also the human angle of things. We are called the humans of MarTech, after all. This is an episode that feels quite timely in a time where being always on is the norm and our work slack is just a ping away. It's crucial to understand the importance of stepping back. Escapism isn't about dodging reality or ignoring responsibilities. It's about giving our minds the necessary break to recharge and rejuvenate. I'm a big fan of fiction and love sharing top TV show and book picks and always wanted to kind of find an excuse to do this on the podcast. So what better way to do it than an episode about the benefits of escapism and detaching from work? It's time again for the world to mourn the departed. Evil corp, a conglomerate of evil. I'll never forget the day I heard their plane had gone missing. What do you think really happened out there? I give consent to sever my memories between my work life and my personal life. So stay tuned later in the episode uh, for my fave TV show and uh, books. But here's today's main takeaway. When used properly, escapism through fictional narratives is an essential aspect of maintaining our mental health, enhancing our overall creativity, and helping us become better humans. The irony of recording this episode on the weekend isn't lost on me, but this is my hobby, and uh, we're having the best month ever on the podcast uh, so far. So I wanted to keep the momentum going, uh, continue giving JT a bit of a break here, but um, here's the quick outline of what I'm going to cover today. So we're going to start with uh, some quick definitions. What is escapism? What is healthy escapism? And what's the difference between meditation? Why does escapism get such a bad rep? Uh, then we'll talk about the importance of disconnecting from work, how to do this successfully. And we'll talk about what happens to your brain when you indulge in fictional narratives. Uh, we'll finish off by going over strategies for healthy escapism. And then I'll drop some of my favorite uh, TV show and top books. And uh, at the end, we'll we'll talk about how to strike a balance and avoid over-reliance, obviously. I'll start by confessing that I didn't always think this, that escapism is an essential aspect of maintaining our mental health and enhancing creativity. In my younger career, actually, I fully embodied the idea that an hour spent on learning things that can't help your career is probably an hour wasted. If I read a book, it was a business or marketing nonfiction book. If I was listening to a podcast, it was about marketing automation or MarTech. If I was reading a blog or a newsletter, it was about the same topics. If I was watching YouTube videos, it was probably Photoshop tutorials. While this is great and likely contributed to increased performance at work in my earlier career, it didn't give my brain the break it probably needed to disconnect from work topics. Movies and TV shows were the 
exception though. Like if I watched a movie, it was sometimes a documentary about consumerism or psychology, but movies were where I got my main dose of fiction. I grew up an avid movie buff and watch all the classics and most of IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. But um, yeah, I, I didn't grow up in a household with workaholic parents either. Uh, they, they liked their work, but my dad, specifically a photographer and a video editor, spent a lot of his downtime watching YouTube videos and tutorials, following industry tech and other photographers. And he's definitely a source for instilling this growth mindset in me. But what he also did was read a lot of books. Some nonfiction biographies for sure, but lots and lots of fiction. John Sanford, Ian Ranking, Peter James, I guess it kind of instilled this idea in me that you can be amazing at your craft, but still indulge in fiction. I've had several jobs that you could describe as high expectation or high pressure. I remember when the shifter remote kind of uh, began a few years back. Working from home was initially pretty exciting, no commuting, being comfort, uh, working from the comfort of your own space. It sounded amazing, but soon the boundaries between work and personal life began to fade, as I'm sure for a lot of you it did as well. My home was kind of becoming my office. My office was becoming my home. I found myself answering Slack messages on the couch and at dinner time and checking email campaign reports late into the night. The expectation to almost always be online to answer questions for teammates that work in different time zones was very real. And reflecting back, my health definitely took a hit, my personal relationships did, and my anxiety definitely grew. Um, some days were obviously more stressful than others, but I think aside from learning to build boundaries and deleting Slack from my phone, one of my coping mechanisms for sure, and what inspired my ability to separate work from home was the ability to disconnect and mainly through fiction for me personally. All right, let's dive into a couple of definitions here. I, I actually probably should have started off uh, the episode uh, with the disclaimer that I'm, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a counselor. Uh, I do work for a startup conquering addiction that employs a large group of clinicians and counselors, but I'm not an expert in in my in mental health. I've definitely um, had my share of of battle and in, in personal experiences in in the space. But you know, the the point of this episode, like I'm not saying watching movies and reading books and ignoring your life responsibilities is the key to managing stress. Um, but it's worth unpacking the positives and the negative lights of escapism. Let's start with defining the concept of escapism. What the heck is escapism? The common definition of escapism is a psychological concept where a person distances themselves from the realities of life. Often, this is kind of a coping mechanism to alleviate stress or something that's going on in your personal life. This disengagement um, that a lot of psychologists call disengagement from reality can take a bunch of different forms, uh, including uh, immersive experiences, music, books, movies, video games, or other hobbies like exercising, gardening. There's a, a lot of variations of this that, that fall under that bucket. I like to think of escapism less as an escape from reality like the, the term kind of says, um, and more of this ability to seek solace in alternative realities to give you a different perspective on your current reality instead of just focusing on the unpleasant or mundane aspects of your everyday life or everyday work. So it's a way of kind of stepping outside of yourself, so to speak, to get distractions or find relief from real life. 
so I want to like coin the difference between escapism and why that gets a negative rap, but also healthy escapism and what I want to talk about on, on the podcast today. So more simply, like escapism is temporarily diverting your attention from the routine of, of daily life. And, and that's what many refer as healthy escapism, this idea of temporarily diverting your attention. Healthy escapism isn't about avoiding reality. It's taking necessary breaks to recharge these breaks, diving into fiction um, or, you know, other personal uh, endeavors and hobbies stimulate different areas of the brain. And this promotes overall mental well-being. So that's that's kind of the, the main takeaway here. Right. But remember, like, obviously, the key is balance here, just like everything else in moderation in life, all forms of escapism can be beneficial when used mindfully and in moderation. And I, I see a lot of um, people debating the difference between escapism and, and mindfulness. And a lot of people will say that like they're the antithesis, like they're, they're the opposite. Um, there are several psychologists who perceive escapism very negatively um, it, it's often thought of as a way to avoid responsibilities right like if you have uh, kids like in, in, in my boat now um, you know you're like you, you're at work and you've got a bunch of stuff that's just like deadlines coming up and you're behind work and stuff like that like excessive escapism could cause you to become increasingly disconnected from this reality and the responsibilities of real life and it can totally become a crutch uh, that inhibits your personal growth um, you know, your your career growth at work, your ability to problem solve and in extreme cases, uh, like any form of addiction, it can escalate into very negative addictive behaviors. So it's obviously worth calling this out. Some even argue uh, that escapism is the total opposite of mindfulness. And there's there's some truth to that. Like if you think of the definitions, right? Like it's true that escapism can be a diversion from facing reality. And it's seemingly at odds with mindfulness because mindfulness is all about being present and in, in, in the moment. But it doesn't have to be seen in such a negative light. The 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 fact that they're kind of opposite. Um, for example, engaging in a good book or you know, playing a video game that's immersive or watching a good movie. Um, it can provide a needed break from reality, which is not only healthy, but necessary in managing stress. And it gives us the time to recharge, and it provides a mental buffer to deal with life and work. I'll make the case a little bit more in depth later about how escapism can also enhance our creativity by immersing us in different worlds and cultures and perspectives and that this broadening of the mind can promote empathy and like understanding of other people in a more nuanced worldview. And these are actually all beneficial attributes that mindfulness also seeks to cultivate. So, you know, in essence, they, they are kind of opposites, but they both kind of strive to do the same good in us. So, I don't see escapism as an escape from reality. Like I said, for me, it's more of an exploration of alternative realities. And this is just like adding to our cognitive toolkit, if you will. Also, I don't think mindfulness and escapism need to be mutually exclusive. You can totally do both. I um, dabble in, in both myself. It's all about balance. Like I said, balance of uh, self-awareness and, and knowing when escapism becomes a crutch instead of uh, a relief in moderation, escapism, healthy escapism can coexist with mindfulness, uh, serving as kind of this form of mental exploration while mindfulness keeps you grounded in reality.
This balance uh, allows us to navigate the challenges of life, right? This unpredictable world that we live in, um, in a more resilient and adaptable and potentially emotionally robust way. So, yeah, I mean, that's that that that's my point with like defining some of these terms here, rather than viewing escapism solely as this negative thing. Like, it, it does definitely have a negative connotation. Um, we can acknowledge that it's potential for providing um, creativity and aiding personal development when used responsibility uh, when used responsibly alongside mindfulness practices um, can definitely be uh, beneficial. All right, so um, tied with escapism here, like the the topic of the episode is the um, the importance of disconnecting from work, right? I think it goes without saying, everyone knows that despite how challenging it might be to delineate the boundaries between our personal and professional lives, disconnecting from work is not only important, it's vital to our holistic well-being. Uh, a former boss uh, of mine once compared our brains to engines and race cars. It stuck with me for some reason, even though it's a pretty simplistic uh, metaphor, if you will. But, you know, just like race cars need several pit stops, fuel, maintenance, our minds need periods of rest to maintain this uh, idea of optimal performance as well. When we're constantly engaged in work-related tasks, stress, we're constantly thinking about work, even when we're at home, it bleeds into our sleep and our dreams, and we're essentially driving that vehicle non-stop. And it's increasing the risk of burnout and the equivalent of an engine breaking down, right? So... Obviously, disconnecting from work allows our minds to shift gears, leaving the high-speed freeway of work stress, if you will, and entering the more scenic route of relaxation and recovery. It offers space for our brains to breathe, recover, and re-energize, and it provides room for creativity to flourish as our brains are free to wander and explore new ideas outside the realm of work-related concerns or work-related stress. Um, this disconnection reinforces our identity outside of our work roles also, right? Like who we are is often defined by what we do, but, you know, nurturing our relationships, our hobbies, our interests that make us who we actually are behind our professional titles and, and who people think we are at work. So, yeah, I mean, in essence, dis disconnecting from work reaffirms the often forgotten truth spoken by the wise Dalai Lama. We are human beings, not human doings. So naturally, we're all uh, kind of interested in this idea of how to successfully disconnect from work. We all kind of know that it's important to do it, but it's way easier said than done. We've actually covered the topic of how to successfully disconnect from work in a couple of previous episodes. Um, in fact, at the end of every guest interview that we do on the Humans of MarTech, we ask how uh, the guest remains happy and successful in their career. How do they find balance between all of the things they're working on and how do they stay happy? Uh, and we actually, in episode 50, we rounded up all of those answers from all of our guests in season one. And it features some pretty fascinating strategies, honestly. Um, some of them include ways of like changing your perspective, looking at life differently, how to think about autonomy, prioritizing family, exercising, ditching everyone else's definition of success. But if I was to interview myself uh, for this question on the podcast, I think I'd at least give credit um, to escapism and specifically uh, fiction, uh, fictional narratives, if you will. 
Just like disconnecting from work allows us to regain a balance, reaffirm our personal values, and revive our inner spark, returning to work refreshed, revitalized, and ready for new challenges, it's this restorative process, right? And for me, engaging with fiction and escapism plays into the same restorative process. When you read a book or you watch a movie, your brain engages in a form of mental stimulation, and you immerse yourself in different worlds, and you empathize with characters characters and your problem solving along as you're going with the plot. So let's have a closer look at how fictional escapism or um, escapism through fictional narratives activates different areas of the brain and it stimulates uh, imagination and, and can also help develop empathy and emotional intelligence. So this is what really spurred this episode on top of just like sharing some of my uh, top TV shows and, and top books. Uh, I wanted to like dive into some research and understand what happens to our brain when we read or watch fiction or narratives. Um, and it turns out that fiction stories help us become better humans. Like the the science here was uh, even better than uh, I was hoping it would be and, and drives home this narrative that like it, it's okay to watch movies and, and TV shows and, and read books, especially fiction stuff. Um, narrative fiction can actually make us more empathetic, kind, and socially aware. Uh, it stimulates different parts of our brain, helping us communicate, learn, and collaborate better with others. Uh, stories can even influence our behavior, improve our emotional skills, and enhance our mental health. Plus, by identifying with some of the characters that we watch uh, or, or read, we can shape our own attitudes and have a different understanding of other people and the reality of life. But don't take it from me. So here's here's a couple of like science studies that uh, I've dived into to to prove some of the points here. According to Paul Zak, the director of Center for Neuroeconomic Studies at Claremont Graduate University, when we read or watch a story, we can become more empathetic and generous because we emotionally resonate with the characters. This is a phenomenon that's called transportation. His study also claims that fiction promotes pro-social behaviors while engaging with fiction. Um, they identified oxytocin in a lot of the, the folks that, take, that, that took the study. Uh, it's obviously a neurochemical responsible for empathy and um, narrative transportation. Oxytocin has been found to enhance sensitivity to social cues and often motivates pro-social behavior such as charity and generosity. So this points towards the role of engaging narratives in fostering positive positive social behaviors within us. Uh, according to Steven Pinker, a Canadian author and psychologist, reading fiction produces changes in the areas of the brain involved in language comprehension, speech formation, as well as compassion. It allows us to live out a reality that we construct in our brain using written words. And fiction reading stimulates the same neural networks in our brain that are activated when humans are subjected to any kind of everyday stimulation. Pinker also claims that reading literary or romantic fiction has shown the highest correlation with increasing theory of mind, which is the ability to put oneself in other shoes, arguably the foundational craft of marketing. So tying us back to, to marketing a little bit here too. 
According to a study by physics and neuroscience professors at Princeton University, when we see or hear a story, the neurons in our brain fire in patterns similar to those of the speakers or the author. And a process, this is the process known as neural coupling. Um, it can induce a shared contextual model of the situation, and the benefits of neural coupling extend to almost all areas of human interaction. They claim that it enhances our ability to communicate, empathize, learn, and work together. According to another study by the Center of Functionally Integrative Neuroscience at Aarhus University Hospital in Denmark, stories stimulate the brain and even change how we act in life. Brain scans revealed that many different areas of the brain light up when someone is listening to a narrative, not only the networks involved in language processing, but also other neural circuits involved in emotion and movement. The studies suggest that by stimulating multiple brain areas, stories can enrich emotional intelligence, promote learning, influence behavior, improve social skills, support memory and mental health, as well as foster cultural understanding. And I'll leave you with one last one as well. Uh, according to Timothy Brune, the lead author of a psychology study on Game of Thrones characters conducted at the Ohio State University, engaging with fiction can confer several potential benefits to the human brain, specifically in relation to self-perception, empathy, and personal development. The ventral medial prefrontal cortex, a region of the brain that is active when thinking about uh, oneself, also shows heightened activity when one identifies with certain fictional characters. So this basically suggests that our engagement with fiction could shape our identities, attitudes, and self-beliefs. Uh, this can be particularly beneficial in broadening our perspectives and understandings of diverse personas, cultures, and uh, worldviews. So overall, uh, I give you a bunch of different studies here that, that are kind of supporting this argument, but engaging with fiction provides an escape from immediate pressures of work and life, offering a form of mental vacation. And just as a physical vacation can leave you feeling refreshed and rejuvenated, a mental break provides uh, provided by engaging with fiction can have similar effects, as well as a bunch of po positive effects that help you become a better human, make you more empathetic, kind, and socially aware. All right, let's talk about strategies for healthy escapism. Fiction, you may have noticed, particularly science fiction, is my preferred form of escapism, but it doesn't have to be limited to fiction, right? Strategies for healthy escapism include creative activities like writing, painting, coloring, cooking, baking, uh, playing video games, discovering new music, physical activity, exercise, anything outdoor, really, um, lawn maintenance, which I've taken up recently, gardening, painting, uh, drawing or promoting or prompting mid-journey like I'm doing for a lot of podcast episodes, um, anything that's like social activities too, like reaching out to friends, family, spending time with them, um, and and then mindfulness, right? Like we said, they're kind of the opposite of the two. But if you you search for like strategies for healthy escapism, mindfulness pops up all the time. And you know, we said that it was the opposite, but I added it here because it's still taking a break and breathing and centering yourself. You're still disconnecting from all the business of life, right? 
Um, but yeah, my favorites for sure are reading and watching movies slash TV shows. And one thing that I've kind of struggled with in my older age is remembering what I've already read or watched and what I enjoyed the most about some of the stuff that, that I indulged in. And, you know, <laughs> how many times have you selected a movie on Netflix and gotten like a third way through only to realize like, fuck. Yeah, I've totally watched this already and you like wasted uh, an hour plus. So how to manage your escapism and endeavors. And this is like a, a nerdy thing that I'm, I'm I'm passionate about here. People closest to me know that I love a good spreadsheet, but also a good Trello board. Um, many aspects of my life are managed in, in a Trello board. This podcast, for example, uh, the arrival of my newborn that joined us a month ago, uh, parenting tasks, but also the TV shows that I'm watching and the books that I'm reading. The purpose mainly is so I don't rewatch the same things over and over again, but also so that I can take notes and um, like remember what I've loved or hated about certain things. I, uh, once a show is done or a book is done, I'll kind of like rank them and add notes on them. Um, but it's allowed me to also become a source of trusted recommendation uh, amongst friends and family. Um, so if you've listened this far to the episode and, and you're curious, um, I'll be happy to share my Trello templates with you. But um, let's start by leaving you with some suggestions for now um, about some of my top books and, and TV shows. If you're not into thrillers or science fiction, feel free to just like skip this session. I get a tiny section at the end um, covering like uh, how to use um, healthy escapism uh, effectively. But here's a, let's start with some of my top TV shows. Uh, I'm not going to do movies because like the list for movies is, is endless and movies are a bit more subjective than, than TV shows. I find um, I, I think TV shows are, are way more popular these days than movies anyways. So I'll hit you up with some of my favorite uh, TV shows of all time. So number one or the first one I have on my list is The Leftovers created by Damon Lindelof and Tom Broda, who wrote the book. It's time again for the world to mourn the departed disappearance of two percent of the world's population none of them are coming back yeah probably not so many of our loved ones were lost three years ago we still wonder where they went and why some bad shit's coming and there's no getting around it grace period's over nor everybody else this is a fascinating, thought-provoking, and emotionally captivating uh, TV show. It explores deep existential themes. Uh, the story is set in a world where 2% of the population mysteriously disappears, and the show follows incredibly well-developed characters as they navigate personal struggles and grapple with this devastating loss and the mystery behind it. Um, there's three seasons and 28 episodes in total. They all tackle profound topics such as life, death, love, family, and the meaning of existence. And it offers a masterful blend of intellect and philosophical exploration. There's exceptional writing, acting, directing, and a really good soundtrack as well. I honestly consider this like a true masterpiece. Um, it's on HBO, Craving Canada. 
Uh, it, it challenged me to contemplate the mysteries of life, and I've never felt stronger emotions while watching a show. Um, despite being incredibly underrated and overlooked by many people, it has garnered a devoted following and is considered one of the greatest TV series ever created by many people, including myself. The second one on the list is Mr. Robot, created by Sam Esmail. Hello, friend. Hello, friend. That's lame. Maybe I should give you a name. But that's a slippery slope. You're only in my head. We have to remember that. Evil Corp. A conglomerate of evil. And now I have to help him. Oh, hi. Tyrell Wellick, Senior Vice President of Technology. Elliot, just a tech. This is a unique and captivating show that explores the world of hackers and conspiracy. It follows the story of a young developer who works at a security firm during the day and becomes an elite hacker vigilante at night. The show's praise for its stylish visuals, compelling storytelling, and accurate portrayal of hacking techniques and code that you see on screen. The four seasons and 45 episodes dive into themes of existentialism, mental illness, addiction, personal journeys, and focusing on highly complex characters. It's hailed as a groundbreaking and thought-provoking series that pushes the boundaries of serial drama. It's highly recommended for both uh, tech-savvy viewers and those looking for a unique and engaging television experience. So the rest of the TV shows um, that I've got ranked here um, are a bit less certain. Like uh, I think uh, the leftovers and Mr. Robot are super close to my heart. Like they're my go-to recommendations um, and, and they're not like super well-known. Um, those two shows for sure stand out about uh, above anything else that I've watched. And I could give you a bunch of other popular shows to fill out the list, like Sopranos, The Wire, Breaking Bad, Lost, Black Mirror, Game of Thrones, like you name it. There's a lot of popular shows. And um, I actually wanted to leave you with a few that you may have not heard of. So the first one I want to cover is Dark. This is a, a Danish show. The creators are Barnbo Odar and Janche Fyrste. Dark is probably my favorite series on Netflix. This is an incredibly gripping and mind-blowing show that captivates you with its phenomenal storytelling and really good acting. Um, this is a bit of a minor spoiler, so close your ears for um, maybe two seconds if you're diving into that first season. But I'd say that the series revolutionizes time travel storytelling and is hailed as one of the most smartly, consistently written shows of our time. Uh, the three seasons and 26 episodes on Netflix 
next dive into complex themes and explore the interconnectivity of characters and their experiences. The show is visually stunning. Like that's one of the first thing that pops out of this with beautiful cinematography and this like haunting soundtrack. Um, it adds to the atmospheric quality of the show. Um, it's praised by many people for its meticulous attention to detail and ability to keep you on the edge of your seat with like shocking revelations. There's a lot of twists and turns here and it's pretty complex. Um, yeah, the German language and uh, subtitles are recommended for this immersive experience. Um, don't watch the dubbed version, um, but yeah, it's it's a much watch, uh, a must watch for fans of mystery, sci-fi, complex narratives, and is regarded as a true masterpiece in the realm of television by uh, many uh, reviewers. Um, all right, so all three, three, all three of those uh, shows are are done. Like they're they're finished, and you can binge uh, all the seasons. But the next few shows are still running uh, right now, so it's a bit unclear where they're going to end up sitting on my list uh, when they actually wrap up. Uh, but the first one I wanted to chat about is Yellow Jackets, created by Ashley Lyle and Bart Nickerson. I'll never forget the day I heard their plane had gone missing. What do you think really happened out there? All I know is that what happened was a tragedy. Those girls were special. They were champions. I used to think all the sex, the drinking, the drugs. I used to think I did those things because of what happened out there. What I saw, what I did. Hello, Misty, you crazy bitch. It's been a while. I take it you know why I'm here. Okay, I'm out of here. Uh, this is an intense and enthralling show. It combines teenage angst with adult drama, exploring themes of trauma, survival, and the lasting impact of a harrowing experience with creepy undertones. The series follows a group of high school girls soccer players and their complex relationships before a tragic event uh, that uh, their plane crashes and it leaves them tr stranded in the wilderness. So the show masterfully kind of jumps between timelines. You see the younger uh, girls that are stranded, but then their older selves as they become adults. And um, it kind of builds upon the layers of the drama and the suspense. You kind of know who survives, but like they're a lot different and you don't know exactly what they've done as the plot unfolds. Uh, but they just started airing the second season um, at the time of this recording. But season one was exceptional. The acting was phenomenal. Um, there's veteran actresses in there like Juliette Lewis, Christina Ricci, Melanie Linsky. It's a must watch for fans of survival stories and character driven uh, dramas. Uh, season two so far is, is also off to a, a strong start. But yeah, season one was uh, phenomenal. So if you're into like a bit more creepy uh, shows, like it definitely is uh, a bit on the creepy side. But uh, my wife is watching it uh, with me and She's not a fan of like horror or, or too creepy stuff and she's able to um, watch it. So it's, it's, it's not that bad. The last one I'll leave you with, uh, this one's a bit popular recently, um, Severance, uh, created by Dan Erickson on Apple TV. Hello, my name is Mark S. And I have of my own free accord elected to undergo the procedure known as severance. 
I give consent to sever my memories between my work life and my personal life. I acknowledge that once the procedure is complete, I will be unable to access my personal memories whilst on the severed floor. Say gratitude. Nor will I retain work memories. Hey. Sorry, when I return home at the end of the day. I make these statements freely. Um, this is another captivating, very unique show that combines bits of thriller, mystery, psychological sci-fi, and dark comedy as well. It's super hilarious, that part. Uh, the first season is like very close to a masterpiece for me. It explores themes of like trapped workers, um, the like nine to five recycling idea, human interest, capitalism, and the complexities of this like corporate world that we live in. Um, the cast is excellent. Storytelling is super compelling. Um, the writing is very powerful and um, it stands out like the show stands out amongst the like the formulaic shows um, that we're, we're dealt with uh, a lot these days. And it offers kind of this refreshing viewing experience with many symbolic thought provoking metaphors of what the show is actually trying to tell. Um, it's initially appearing to be a bit of a slow show when you start to get into it, but it gradually builds suspense and it keeps you engaged um, with its kind of unpredictable natures. You have no idea where this thing is going. But yeah, fans of shows like Black Mirror and psychological sci-fi will find Severance uh, to be a must-watch. Um, definitely check out season one. Uh, the series made a really strong impression on me, and I can't wait for uh, season two. All right, that's it for TV shows now. Obviously, I'm happy to uh, give you some more recommendations. Uh, I've got uh, a long list, like I said, on on my Trello board that uh, that I'm watching. But I wanted to dive into books. Uh, honestly, I'll, I'll give full credit to my wife for reinvigorating my love for books. On a vacation to Vancouver together, she convinced me to take a break from podcasts uh, on a plane, on the plane uh, to Vancouver, and read a science fiction book. Um, the book is called Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. And not only is this one of my favorite books of all time now, but it catapulted me into a niche of thriller science fiction niche. And I honestly haven't looked back since. So if you're not into sci-fi or like thriller uh, murder stories type of thing, um, feel free to skip these recommendations. But um, if you're like not super into books, but you're looking for maybe a reason to, to get into them, um, this has been uh, fantastic and, and super fun. And now that I have a, a, a daughter, um, I don't have as much time to like pick up a physical book or, or my Kindle, but I've started digesting uh, audiobook versions of, of books on, on Audible and uh, really, really enjoy it. So yeah, Dark Matter by Blake Crouch is the first one I wanted to share. It's a science fiction thriller. Um, it's like mind bending is the best way to describe it. It's got action, philosophy, deep introspection. Um, the story follows a physics professor whose life takes a drastic turn when he's abducted and it leads him to questioning the choices he's made throughout his life. It explores concepts like the multiverse theory, parallel universes and the mathematics of identity uh definitely a page turner uh, turner and uh yeah mind-blowing twists and turns along the way the second book is the gone world by tom sweaterlich 
This is another mind-blowing, breathtaking, and dense blend of science fiction and crime thriller. The story follows a special agent with the ability to travel into possible futures to investigate crimes. Her murder case involves the impending end of the world, interconnected mysteries, and the question of alterable destiny. It explores time travel, space travel, alien life forms, conspiracy, time paradoxes, and a bunch of other shit. Um, Definitely thought-provoking, highly complex with unexpected twists, but uh, also super well-explained science and, and physics throughout. Um, yeah, really enjoyed this one, The Gone World. Number three is Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Less of a thriller compared to the two former books, um, but still a very smart and engaging science fiction story. It's set in space. Um, the story follows a disgraced molecular biologist who's part of a last-ditch effort to save humanity. Um, in the book, Earth is facing extinction due to an unknown organism that's stealing energy from the sun, and smart people are predicting that, um, you know, obviously without the sun, the planet doesn't survive. Um, so the novel is uh, filled with humor and wit, the, the part that I love the most about it, but plenty of attention to scientific detail as well. Um, it's like bordering on hard science fiction, but explores a lot of cool themes like friendship, redemption, and the resilience of the human spirit. Um, it's a story that I absolutely loved and remember fondly, and I've recommended it to a lot of people who have uh, dearly enjoyed it as well. Uh, the next book is We Are Legion. It's the Bobbyverse series by Dennis E. Taylor. Um, at first, I was just like, ah, what is this? Like, Bobbyverse? Like, it sounds so lame, but it's actually amazing. Um, JT and I have both been diving into um, this series. It's the first book in the Bobbyverse series, uh, We Are Legion. Um, it's definitely the best, in my opinion, uh, of the five books so far. Um, but uh, Mr. Taylor is working on um, the next uh, installment of the series. So it's like a, a smart, humorous science fiction. Again, um, it, it follows recently to see a software company owner who wakes up in a future as an uploaded consciousness in a computer. He embarks on a mission to save humanity and explore the universe. So basically go to other um, star systems. And the book combines well thought out science and tech with pop culture references, humor and engaging narrative. Uh, it, it explores AI, obviously, space exploration and the replication of human mind. Um, the scientific accuracy and plausible concept of the book make it super appealing to both science enthusiasts and just general readers as well. Like if you're still listening and you're not really into sci-fi, like this is actually a super cool one to, to dive into. But yeah, highly enjoyable read with relatable characters and witty humor and lots of thought provoking ideas. Um, the last book I'll leave you with is another one by Blake Crouch. It's called Recursion. Uh, this is another thriller and definitely mind-bending sci-fi novel. It explores the nature of memory and impact on identity. The story follows a detective investigating a mysterious phenomenon known as false memory syndrome and a neuroscientist working on a technology that can preserve memories, so basically fight um, Alzheimer's. The story covers the implication of memory manipulation, the nature of reality, and the consequences of altering the past. Like Dark Matter, the story keeps you on the edge, blending elements of thriller and sci-fi seamlessly. Uh, it explores thought-provoking questions about time, memory, and the choices that shape our lives. Uh, but yeah, the plot is incredibly gripping, and the characters are super well-developed. Um, it's a captivating read and uh, one of my favorite recommendations as well. 
All right. Yeah. Happy to geek out on books and, and TV shows uh, further for, for folks who, who want to hit me up here. But uh, let's uh, let's put a lid on this one and uh, maybe finish by chatting about how to use these uh, forms of escapism effectively without over-reliance. Um, definitely want to end here. Obviously, like you don't want to just dive into movies and books and like escape real life and in all your responsibilities. Um, the thing I want to uh, you want to avoid here is over reliance. Um, routines have been effective way of, of limiting my screen time and how much I, I dive into book and, and TV shows. So setting boundaries and following a routine is my number one advice. Um, as a new dad, my routine is widely different from last year. Uh, I don't have as much downtime to pick up a book these days, especially if I want to dedicate time for the podcast. But uh, yeah, my wife and I are playing around with routines, especially as I get back into work mode from parental leave. Um, still, though, I'm finding good slots of time for audiobooks and, and podcasts still uh, during other tasks. So I'll, I'll watch an audiobook while I water the lawn or walk the dog and do groceries. Um, podcasts is during my morning routine when I wash and sanitize uh, the baby's bottles. Uh, music is usually when I fold laundry and vacuum the house and TV shows is when we finally have the little one asleep for uh, a few hours at the end of the day. Um, but uh, yeah, setting boundaries and, and following a routine is probably um, my best tip for avoiding over-reliance. Um, but I also like having variety. Like this is a nice tactic for preventing over-reliance. Like you just saw audiobooks, podcasts, music, TV shows. Like it's not just the one thing. Um, do a bit of gaming here on the site as well. But, um, you know, when I did do video games, like when The Last of Us was coming out on HBO, the TV show, uh, I binge played both games again uh, to get caught up on the story and, um, you know, changing hobbies and activities around and mixing it up is a, a way to be less likely to become overly dependent on a single activity uh, of relaxation. So mix it up. Don't just like rely on, on the one thing, except for if you got a really good book and you're just trying to like figure out what, what does happen. But like before you open another book, maybe like uh dive back into podcasts or listen to music for a bit, um, stuff like that. Um, Obviously like I've focused on like, um, fictional narratives as like a form of escapism and one of my favorite ways of doing it but uh nothing can uh compare to the benefits of real life experiences uh, i have a good book or uh, I, I love a good book or a tv show but nothing beats social interaction or going on a family trip um despite how introverted i i think i am it's it's good to take breaks from reality but it's also important to actively engage in your real life experiences so i, I don't want to take anything away from that um, again, remember, key is moderation here, especially with TV and video games. Escapism becomes a problem when it starts interfering with your ability to live your life fully. But like I said, when used properly, escapism is an essential aspect of maintaining our mental life. Regardless of what strategy you use to, to dive into, it enhances our overall creativity and help us become uh, helps us become better humans. So while escapism gets a bad reputation and fiction and fantasy are often thought of as simply escapism, I'll leave you with a quote from the famous uh, author George R. R. Martin. The best fantasy is written in the language of dreams. It is alive as dreams are alive, more real than real, for a moment at least, that long magic moment before we wake. Fantasy is silver and scarlet, indigo and azure obsidian veined with gold and lapis lazuli. Reality is plywood and plastic, done up in mud brown and olive drab. 
fantasy flies on the wings of Icarus, reality on Southwest Airlines. Why do our dreams become so much smaller when they finally come true? There's something old and true in fantasy and fiction that speaks to something deep within us, to the child who dreamt that one day he would hunt the forests of the night and feast beneath the hollow hills and find a love to last forever somewhere south of Oz and north of Shangri-La. They can keep their heaven. When I die, I'd sooner go to Middle Earth. So you heard it here first, folks. When used properly, escapism through fictional narratives is an essential aspect of maintaining our mental health, encouraging our overall creativity, and helping us become better humans. I'll catch you next time.